0: Six of Behind the Mosaic. I'm your host, Dawn Marie Zimmerman. In this episode, I chat with an artist who is an intrepid explorer and a passionate engineer of storytelling. She is deeply intrigued by the dualities inherent in the human condition, and her body of mixed media and mosaic work is the result of a committed studio practice that keeps her in a constant state of discovery. Today, I chat with New York-based artist Karen Kettering-DeMitt. Karen is a member of the Long Island City Artists' Organization and is the co-founder of the LIC Arts Open. She is a senior arts member of the St. Boltoloff Club and was the chair of sculpture at the Pen & Brush New York City. Her work has shown widely throughout the U.S. both in solo and group exhibitions. Her piece, Medusa, won SAMA's 2006 Best in Show Award for our juried exhibition that occurred in Chicago, Illinois that year, and her work, Miss Willendorf 2008, won first place in the Pen and Brush 62nd Annual Sculpture Exhibition in New York City. She studied at the School of the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston, the Complete Sculptor in New York, and Orsoni Mosaics in Venice, Italy. She has also curated a number of well-received shows, most recently, Upstanders, a show of 23 artists who channeled their activism into their art practice. Her ingenuity was just recognized by the Mosaic Arts International 2018 Fine Art Segment Jurors with the 2018 Contemporary Innovation Award. And yes, I was able to get the timing right and share the news with Karen during our call. But first, we learn a great deal about how Karen's mind works when we hear about her discovery of mosaic and her dive into the deep end. Well, we start out good. most of our conversations, um, learning a little bit about an artist's first encounter with mosaic, and where about on your timeline mosaic came in. And it's been interesting to me because a lot of a lot of the stories that have been shared with me have mosaic has come in at a point where it wasn't necessarily, oh, this is the kind of art that I want to make, but there was some peripheral awareness of it. And then at when the time was right, it became absorbed as part of an art making practice.
1: Right. So, well, mine was, I had been doing art uh, focusing on that as well as uh being an opera singer um for quite a while Ah. but we were redoing our kitchen uh when we lived in boston this would be early 90s and um we hadn't figured out what to do for the floor and so we were traveling in greece uh we were in a uh Corinth and we saw a mosaic in the museum on the wall and Greg says my husband says why not do a mosaic and me being a fool (laughs) saying sure so uh two years later and I finally um actually installed the floor uh but at that time I couldn't find very much on how to do uh Um, mosaics how to do things except for some small craft projects Um, but uh, you know I kind of uh, uh, fussed around for a while and I uh, painted a painting I first figured out what kind of uh, ceramic tiles work well on kitchen floors and what the color combinations could be and I wanted something that had to do with food oh, um, okay. and so um i came up with this idea of a grapevine and this glass wine glass where the entrance is and you know with traditional uh, mosaic bordering on it um and so i had been doing a lot of paintings that involve some drip stuff so i made this this painting then i did a cartoon of that and then laid and then cut the tiles um, uh, indirect method. So yeah, it was a kind of a learn as I go. But <laughs> what was exciting about it is that it gave me an entrance to talk to some of the masters in Italy. And ah. so, uh, yeah, so um, the next year we were traveling in Sicily and we uh, happened upon the the workshop, the mosaic workshop for the Monreale Cathedral. And this uh, short little uh, Sicilian guy, he's had a hammer and hardy at a stump. I'd never seen that kind of thing before. So he did this cute little demonstration, and then he'd kind of look at me <laughs> at the side of his eye and get smaller and smaller, and, and I was just smitten. So we immediately bought a hammer and hardy um, from him. Uh, wow. And then um, just after that, we were in Venice and noticed in a guidebook um, or Sony. Um, so we go knocking at their door and begging them to sell me some small tea, you know, that it was serious. And at that time, they really were just uh, servicing big projects. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could only choose from the 100 colors, uh, You know, the, the old um, thing, they didn't have their specialty palettes. Uh, and I had to buy a whole kilo of whatever colors I wanted. So, you know, just starting out a studio, you can't buy it all, you can't afford it. Um, so I was kind of going every third one or something like that and the problem is I got frustrated with not being able to do the
0: more painterly um, uh, shading
2: mm-hmm.
0: so well yeah I you ended d- up just, you dove right into the deep end <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right did, right off the that.
2: bat
1: <laughs> yeah there was a hurricane there was a hurricane in Boston and a tree had fallen down and there was a log sitting there, you know, and I um, asked Greg if he'd carry if he'd carry it home and up five flights of stairs for me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and figuring out how to, you know, set the, the again, this was before, you know, people were on the Internet and before mm-hmm. there was SAMA or before I knew about SAMA or anything like that. So, yeah, it was kind of, you know, you, you get this, this drive and you just say, okay. I'm just gonna dive in. Um, but so I do small projects with them um, uh, based on you know doing a, a small project that was part of a larger uh, thing that I was doing with painting or mixed media mm-hmm. uh, because I wasn't able to fully express myself how I wanted to in the mosaics because I, I at that time, really was uh more into the 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 sh- the gra- gradation kind of shading rather than a point kind
0: of okay thing. so um, it sounds like back yeah. to your beginning moment there was a pull not only towards the material but the process of processing the material
1: that's right and and what what material was was moving or the the I guess that you know that just the hammer and hearty <laughs> yeah, that yeah is, I mean. that itself you know I was like really exciting and and kind of a power tool kind of girl so you know <laughs> it, you know, that's kind of cool um, so yeah that it it, Different things would kind of grab me, but then find what things really weren't holding your attention.
2: Mm, And
1: mosaics is very, you know, it takes a long time to get just the right cut and shape, and especially when it flies out of your hand and you have to for it.
0: Well, especially Uh, with the hammer and hardy.
1: Exactly. And so you, um, you have to love it enough to keep with the perseverance through the slowness, Of it, you know, Mm -hmm. and if you're finding that it's just not not really giving you what you're wanting, then um, you know you need to balance it with other things.
0: Um, I'm curious too. Are you typically the type of person that learns things best by diving in the deep end, just going for it, or in hindsight, would you have gone about your learning practice a little bit differently now?
1: Um. I never look, say, oh, I wish this because, mm-hmm. you know, um, <laughs> there'd be too many things. And, <laughs> and the, the problem is I would not, I kind of say things happen as they happen, as I listen to them okay. and therefore they unfold as they need to unfold. And so if I have that mindset rather than, oh, I wish I had done that, okay. then I don't necessarily um, acknowledge benefits of how I did learn so in some ways not knowing all the rules or um, trying to incorporate this immediately in what I was doing you know I it, it those early kind of things probably still inform my mosaic pieces I'm doing now too mm-hmm. because there's a, a naivete that comes in where you, you're, you're solely listening to yourself, right? Uh, you're making the judgments if something's looking right or not. I will look back at things I did before and say, Oh, well, you know, if I knew the rules, I could see, I could see where this would have gone better or not. But I also didn't get stuck because there's so many different schools of thought, you know, mm-hmm. and everybody, especially when they're starting out, think the way that they first were taught in that particular school in the way,
2: you know, mm-hmm.
1: and and what I find with my work is that each way gives a different um, quality, a a, a, a different uh, thing that it can express better than a different way can. Right, and so you know, being open. To experimenting with different things, I think just diving in, kind of, uh, I'm not. I, it's easy for me to get bound in, in rules mm-hmm. too fast.
0: And, okay, and, I think that's what I was curious about. I mean, it sounds like the the approach embracing your naivete about certain technical aspects is what fuels the openness for creativity and than your comment about frustration in achieving what you're what you were looking to to create, and just curious about how you balance the two, how you keep that open mind and uh, work outside of any pre-prescribed rules for technical execution, and reconcile that with with the work in the end.
1: Yeah. Well. Um, you know what? One of the things, getting back to what what materials really drive you. Mm, so, you know, okay. the process is driving me, and I love the 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 small tea and stuff. And then once the specialty palettes came out, um, you know, when you went when I went to Orsoni and and did a workshop finally, and I had done the Medusa, I did Caravaggio's Medusa because they had all this flesh tone and i could keep asking the maestro to go get me just this color this color Mm, you know mm -hmm. um but then when the specialty palettes came out when the you know so many people got into being uh, um, vendors in america so then you could buy a quarter of a kilo or you know a quarter of a pound of something you know it kind of opened different worlds but Um, The other thing that opened worlds was uh, Sophie Druin and Bill Buckingham really introducing minerals and Mm -hmm. different Mm -hmm. stones. And uh, in between uh, me getting a little frustrated with the the color palette um, and then really getting into mosaics as as my main medium, um, uh, I had gotten into stone carving. Um, And stones, I had this, yeah, so I had this encounter with stone where it it literally, this um, interaction I had with them, At a stone sculpting place the stones actually spoke to me and said to me karen you've got to do something with me (laughs) and 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 i I realized that as a as a child i was really fascinated with stones but i never had an outlet to explore that Um,
0: yeah or work with them understand what they're what they could do for you
1: Yeah, Yeah, so I I really got into um, sculpting, and that was great. And then um, when Sophie Bruin um, and Bill Buckingham kind of got together with him – um, selling uh, minerals and stones, and Sophie showing us what to do with them uh, and mm-hmm. how to combine that with the traditional uh, mosaic mediums um, you know that kind of combined that that uh, the things that just strike me in my gut
0: uh, right okay you know,
1: to be able to really use that.
0: So that that combination of the exposure plus the study of sculpture and the technical how to cut a stone (laughs) and get it it to do and reveal. And as you say, let it talk to you and tell you um, there's another potential in this form.
1: Exactly, to listen to it, to, you know, even in projects I don't think that uh, it's going to lend itself to using something. All of a sudden I would say, I wonder if this one stone I have, I wonder if it really would fit in here. And then it just kind of opens a, a whole world for that piece, you know. It's
2: yeah. it's
1: quite fun to, to do that. I do find that one of the things with uh, having done stone sculpting, is that I'm good with the uh, the hammer and chisel when I'm needing to chisel something out that's not working. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, <laughs> it doesn't happen too often, but you have to be kind of ruthless because if it's not working, it's never going to work.
2: You right. know?
1: And uh, so you learn that. But with the stone sculpting, one of the interesting things to get to the piece, like that's in the Mai, and, and what I the subject matter that I do Um, with the stones. I had got had this encounter with the stone in August uh, 2001 and I decided I was going to learn how to sculpt and I was going to uh, we had a sublet in New York um, and there's a place to learn a few blocks away. Um, And so I had some major shows coming up um, uh, in September 13th and 15th and then September 11th happened. Um, oh, okay. And so when I went to, uh, study, um, how to, how to work with stone, it was October and it was in the district that was still blocked off, um, for most people to go to because it was so close to the world trade center. Um, That changed the intensity of the work of what my subject matter was because I was in such a state um, of shock and anger Mm -hmm. and fear. That it had to be part of the work I'm doing, and whacking away on a stone, you know, is perfect outlet for those feelings. And um, I had used a the, as the subject matter uh, a tragic mask, uh, you know, one of the tragic, tragic masks from Pompeii or that kind mm-hmm. of image. So it was a perfect image of how I was feeling. And that kind of got me hooked on marrying uh, what is driving me um, in social commentary, in what's happening today with uh, my art practice.
0: And this is the first, I think, I don't think I've heard the story about you being an opera singer. And so it's, it's interesting to me that that's where you've, come to with mosaic uh because it's so similar to opera there is social commentary there is you know um everyone thinks of of opera is so dramatic but it's also you know a different way to tell a story um yeah and I think that's an interesting parallel um and it's 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 not surprising to me that you had another, um, artistic passion, because I think every conversation I've had so far, there's been some other medium or some other, um, uh, a passion that was parallel to someone working in mosaic. And there's this interplay between the two. And so, um, it's interesting to me that, that, you have, looking over your body of work, there are these collections of stories that you're exploring in what are visually like chapters or books in and of themselves.
1: Oh, that's that's fascinating because I hadn't really put that together, but opera seems larger than life, but <laughs> it's using... Um, um, Perhaps somewhat melodramatic, but it, it's bringing to four certain aspects often of the, of the social the power struggles or or you know, imbalances there or um, emotional you know uh, love things, <laughs> and we're so socialized to in, in public to not not really show how deeply they're affecting us yeah. but music itself um it, it, it provides this this it reaches inside you know it reaches beyond the words to really reach inside and, and touch on the emotions that the, the deeper emotions we actually have about these
2: things um
1: and uh and gives an outlet for people to cry who And they're not allowed to cry in public, you know, but with the music, it just it it allows them to connect, uh, you know, on a deeper level with what they're feeling about certain things. And I think um, mosaics, you know, it's three dimensionality. It's corporalness um, and its use of minerals. That's very seductive. There's something that that really um, goes beyond the surface that kind of reaches inside. I think that kind of connects to a, a deeper um, element within mm-hmm. people. I it, yeah. And then there is storytelling. <laughs> yeah.
0: And there's the storytelling. Yeah. And I think you've done an incredible job of, of blending all of them. There are topics that you have not shied away from and taken um, those uh, elements, especially the mineral elements. The one I guess, book, lack of a better, or opera, your visual opera of uh, reliquaries for the one million canceled girls is an example of that, where you've uh, opened up an awareness or opened up a discussion about a uh, topic that not a lot of people are comfortable, don't want to look at, and presented it in a new way that is very, um, very visceral, very um, conceptual, but accessible at the same time. Can you talk a little bit about that piece? Sure.
1: Um, yeah it's 100 million canceled girls so the the subject is the gender side that's happened in china and india over the last 20 30 years that is a, a ultimate expression of gender bias gen, mm-hmm. that that societies religions the power structures have all uh you know there's a preference of the boy over the girl and uh so when push comes to shove and you're having to limit your families you know but you're not necessarily using birth control kinds of things then then there has been a lot more of the gender side of of the uh, femicide Mm -hmm. um to the tune that there should be 100 million more girls in this world than there are so this isn't um, this is changing the ratio of male to female of how many births happen or how many uh, successful you know babies grow up Uh, um, it's always been uh, throughout all of history of human history it's always been um fairly equal you um, you know more maybe even a a few more girls to boys and that ratio has been skewed um, uh, over these this last period Um, especially if you get to the second girl or the third girl Um, so it's 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 not so much that overall there's fewer babies in it there's fewer women so the balance of not only that those girls should be alive and making their contribution and they're not to the world but also how is that going to affect the boys who can't find a mate and it already Mm -hmm. you know is having pretty disastrous effects so uh i had been doing a lot of uh, gender-biased things for the last 10 years I had realized uh, earlier than that that I myself had drunk the Kool-Aid, had been socially uh, conditioned to think of myself as a second-class citizen, Um, Mm -hmm. and uh, so, you know, I had to do a lot of work, and I still continue to challenge myself of my own bias against my own sex uh, or my own way of looking at things or, you know, uh, Mm the what i have to bring to the table is is as important um and so then when i after jimmy carter had done a speech to the world religious leaders saying you know our books they've got wonderful things in there but they do and uh, in the way they're taught there is a gender bias to this and we have to look at it Mm -hmm. uh you know after i had read about that and, and and uh, Nicholas Kristof's um, uh, Women Hold a Path the a Sky book, uh, being made aware of, of this issue, yeah, you know, I had to do something. Right. And, uh, but I didn't, you know, how do you tackle something like that? Um so when I was finally ready to, you know, you push it off for a long time, and then I, then you say, okay, I, I've got to do it, I've got to do it, and all of a sudden, these little barber boxes, these little wooden Indian barber boxes um, I had bought years ago there in my closet in my studio, they called to me, and they said, mm-hmm. well, we're part of the project, and <laughs> well, yeah, what? What am I going to do with you? <laughs> you know. So then, so you start to to try to figure out. Well, how does this work? And then I was at a gem show. Um, um, Bill Buckingham had had taken me to my first uh, uh, gem and mineral show, and um, then made me get my own resale license so that I could get uh, wholesale. Uh, mm-hmm license and i could go into those areas so I'm, I'm looking there and i see these little geodes you know the baby geodes and just opened up and they look like empty but precious and eggs they look like little eggs but mm-hmm. you know they're beautiful yet they're empty and that just it's like well that's that's these 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 girls you know these precious human beings that uh, um, weren't allowed to to be here just because they female. they're female. They they're empty but they're beautiful. And I thought about how girls love their little jewel boxes Mm-hmm-hmm. and love, um, you know, to put their little trinkets and things. And um and so that just kind of started it started the whole process. Um, i had taken Margot Anton's uh fine uh fine uh, small mosaic uh, jewelry. Class that really got me much more comfortable with uh, micro mosaics and with uh, cutting very tiny small. Mm-hmm. So one of the little things I would do a micro mosaic that would um, uh, have something to do with with this, like a, a skull with a, a little pink ribbon on it or something like that. So you know, I just kept kept growing and and the boxes then I was really pleased with how those were but then I different people in my my studio building would come by and and I could see their reaction and they weren't quite getting it Mm. you know because this subject is so serious I'm not wanting to be didactic and and you know I may as well be a, a you know a writer of Placards, then. But how could I further say the story? How can I give another layer of this story? And uh, then I pictured trash cans because, well, that's where some of the. Basically, what happened. Yeah. Um, And and so I could picture specifically round round little silver trash cans with lids and the lids could be sort of almost like a halo, you know, uh, on them or something. Um, and Home Depot had them, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, you know, and I was writing in the, the cover saying it's a girl, and I wanted this canceled symbol in the in, in this, um, but I realized I needed light to get into the, the uh, canister to be mm-hmm. able to see the, the mosaics, and mm-hmm. see the little box, and um, I had started a um, an arts festival in my Uh, in the area of my studios and that's still going. I'm not running it anymore, but um, I know a lot of the artists and one of them is a neon artist. He does a lot of the neons for um, Broadway and uh, some big things. Um, So I asked him to make me these canceled symbols uh, out of neon that went into the lids, you know. So all of this, each thing, I don't know where I'm going. But then the, then the universe when I when I say, okay, I have this problem, this is what I'm needing, the universe just kept giving me the answer. Mm-hmm. Never, you know, ahead. <laughs> just <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but you know, just in the nick of time. So I've kind of learned to go with that. I
0: I think it's very successful because of all of these elements. Um, how many did you end up completing of the individual I, I, the box with the can?
1: Yeah, I did ten. Um, my intention would be that they were individual, but um, I've had the opportunity to show them in several shows and each time the 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 space and the curator of the shows have um, put them. In different ways, but they really do speak. Uh, I think much stronger as a unit, as, as all ten. But but you know it, uh, you can do different configurations. But I think the, mm-hmm. the ultimate in- impact um, comes with that. And then it's very been very interesting to see people reacting to them because the the neon draws them.
0: Mm, okay. Um, to to and, look down inside the canister. Yeah, they,
1: or they, they draws them from across the room. You know, okay. if, if they're one piece that's in a show, you know, a group show of other things, the, the neon kind of just draws them right into that, that that space and gets them to look in. And then different people have, you know, they respond differently. And it takes them often, it takes them a while to get what is really being said. Um, and that gives time for the piece to... to reach deeper in so they've already kind of gotten detached to the peeps mm-hmm. you know and I find this with other mosaics too you know, the, the there's a a, um, a bling factor or a, a a fascination factor with the materials and the process and um you know so you draw them in with that beauty or that and then, then they start noticing things. If they, they've been long enough, <laughs> they start noticing things and and start to understand deeper. But they've already committed to the piece, yeah. so that really is allowed uh, conversations to open or their their interaction with the piece to broaden.
0: Well, each one is so unique and really gives you a sense of potentially what the personality of this girl could have, would have been. And they all have their own personality to me um, within the box. And so I I understand why curators would want to put them together because it further speaks to this larger collective loss of these personalities, these humans that could have brought so much beauty, and it, um, it's just—it's so right. powerful, and, and it's been one of my favorite collections of mm. yours. And um, thank you for sharing thank this you. story. Thank you. you know, I love those. So it's a good thing you saved those boxes. I know, right? Well, it, it, <laughs> do you have huge collections of things that you're not really sure what you're going to do with yet, but are just waiting I, for their time? I, I,
1: I do. I do. I've I've learned um, that if something, things just speak to you, you -hmm. know, and um, I have collected things that it's like, oh, that could be really cool. I bet that would work here. Those things never work. But the things that say, oh, yeah. And I have no idea why, but I yeah. say, oh, yeah, yeah. Then you get it. And then you end up using it. So with this, say, the the, the um, 100 million council that the reliquaries, um, I, my apartment building is over a furniture store. So sometimes they throw out things that weren't working or something for the trash. And there were these, uh, I don't know if there were table legs or chair legs or something sitting out there, these metal legs. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, well, that, that's like perfect for something. <laughs> <laughs> so I just grabbed a bunch of them you know I just grabbed I, I think 10 I mm-hmm. grabbed 10 of those and um took them to my studio and so then when I was working on one of these uh pieces and I had the, the trash can and all that I was needing to photograph it I wanted to set it up on something so I grabbed one of those set it up stood back and I said uh, well uh that's like perfect <laughs> you know and so then that it, there's I don't know a bit of a anthropomorphic is that the right mm. word um a yeah. human quality that the legs give to it it also brings it up to a level that is easy to bend over and look into you. it even mm-hmm. for a, a child um you know so uh so yeah I've I've learned You know first of all you need some space for that but i've learned to get to get rid of the stuff that is like oh i bet that would be cool sometime Mm -hmm. you know to make room for the oh yeah yeah kind of things the reactions so really listening to that gut listening to your own unique um, voice that Mm -hmm. for some reason telling you something you know
0: one of your collections um, i want to talk about a little bit because of its combination of mythology and tem- contemporary commentary i guess for lack of <laughs> a better <laughs> yeah. way of putting it the subway goddess pageant how did that one come about
1: well this was the um, the that idea of me recognizing that i thought of myself as as lesser um, okay. you know w- was definitely with this and so one of the shocking things um, at least when I went to to school and took art history class um, one of the first things you see is is this this shocking little stone piece of this this obese woman with the the uh, the venus of villandorf the goddess mm, of yes so it's this the figurine um you know with with big breast, big tummy um and uh, no face really just uh, kind of this webbing kind of thing and um and you find out that she's 30,000 years old. So she and, uh, and some of her sisters are some of the oldest sculptures and oldest artwork, you know, besides the, the wall cave uh, drawings that that ever, uh, you know, existed. And that they were female. Uh, it was very surprising. So uh, it, um, it made me... You know, look at other ancient cultures, uh, the um, Cycladic idols, the white, what now they're white marble. I think at the time they might have been highly painted, but, um, you know, very elegant, very modern looking, uh, uh, elongated um, uh, female sculptures.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, why did why were they using women? Why, if there is uh sculpture being made and it's never been made before that it's a woman's figure that they're doing so it it got me thinking about how um Mm. perhaps before you know people realized that it takes two to tango uh (laughs) the women were having babies so Mm. the women were the ones that were creating life and that that was uh what they're celebrating and there was an honoring or it seems like there was an honoring and a valuing of the woman in society that was so important that they they were um uh you know that was what was being um
0: the sculptures uh, were celebrating the
1: sculptures were celebrating you know so there was that um and I, so the first one i and i had been doing stone scar carving and then i had gotten into the the, the mosaics um but i wanted to combine the two so i did a replica of the uh the, the venus in stone and then i did a riff on that of a larger thing um using uh, Sherry Warner Hunter's uh, uh, technique of of styrofoam and mesh and concrete mm-hmm. um, to do a, a larger figure that then I um, uh, decorated or, or uh, dressed. Um, in a more modern way and what the first one was with her it was more about being a little bit needy and and a little superficial she's got a little nail tattoo on her arm that that, you know says (laughs) love me she's got little hearts on the back of her her um, hip hugger jeans you know she's got a little um, ring in her her belly button Um, (laughs) so yeah um, And she's got, um, for the zigzaggy head thing, she's got wingnuts and rhinestones uh, Mm -hmm. there. So, yeah, I live in New York City and I take the subway all the time. And, you know, I would get inspired by by what people were wearing at that time and how they were presenting themselves. So it's kind of seeing how in the stone, when you're diving into a stone when you're carving it you're getting into the heart of it and it's just mm, so solid mm-hmm. and you're getting into the core of what that that stone is so that, that the female figurine is just out there with this power the, that this power that's been imbued by this society's, uh, worshiping like, worshiping them or um, valuing them and then you have this this um other figure that is a little unsure of themselves and not sure of um, how valued they are and a little bit needy
2: with that you know so
1: <laughs> each each uh, I did five different ones and each one kind of tells a different story of um, not only the year that I was making them but um, but different um, weaknesses or strengths or you know looking at themselves from the outside rather than uh, uh, how they are looking from the outside rather than acting from the inside
0: acting from uh, the inside. Then, Interesting. yeah
1: and and the final one with the Kali i did a, a, a Indian goddess um Kali who's a very powerful uh pretty fierce uh a woman who or goddess who whacks off heads which is whacking off your ego that gets in the way of you, being your best self, but she's ruthless. You know, She's called in for those most intractable ones. And usually she's got a sword in one hand. She has at least four arms, which says she's got a lot of power. Mm-hmm. So in one, she usually has a sword. She's got a severed head in another one. She's got a bowl of blood in another one. And then she's got her hand out, one hand out saying, you know, don't freak out. This is for your own good, kind, mm. of, thing, you know, kind of thing. So I have her getting ready for work. She's got a hair dryer with a diffuser since I've got curly hair, um, <laughs> an iPhone, a designer purse with my own initials on it, and a Starbucks cup. So, or, you know, somewhat like a Starbucks, you have yeah. to be careful about um, the copyright stuff, but, you know, so that, I, <laughs> that idea. And what got me, Ready to do her was going to Bill Buckingham's um, uh, booth at the vendor marketplace and seeing these two um, fossilized uh, sand dollars. Oh, I oh, okay. Oh, that's gonna be perfect for the breast <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> for for her because <laughs> she's kinda of got a bra and, and, and um a G string on it uh, you know, but um it's like that was the start. You know, you see something, you say, Now I know how to
0: start the piece.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, so that's really fun. So but, did you studied music, but did you study art as well? for i had had
1: some i i had had some classes in college uh i was pathetic according to the teachers um because oh. i hadn't really had any before um the teachers that whatever but um but i still had this drive and so um we had an opportunity to move to London for a few years with my husband's job, and I wasn't allowed to work. And at that time, I had got my master's in conducting, actually, I was, uh, and was teaching at a university. But um, it gave me an opportunity to really pursue the opera uh, with practicing mm, okay. and lessons and doing some regional things um, there. But in the meantime, I could take painting and art classes. And so that helped me just give some of the the because I had been playing with art. Some I just there were a few keys missing, you know. Mm, okay. So once I got I understood perspective, <laughs> once I understood um, values and shading, or you know certain things, then it clicked. So you're taking that drive to do something. There's something in you, mm-hmm. and then you find you find those classes that 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 fill in that hole or, or, knock out that little brick that then you can see into that treasure room. And then you can knock out some more bricks with other right. classes or other, um, practices, you know, to, to really be able to get into that treasure room and really enjoy it.
0: So is it, as a child, as a little girl, were you more of a performer or a maker?
1: Um, well, I was a performer. I wanted to be a maker, but I wasn't really encouraged Ah, with that. And um, even with the performing, you know, up to a certain point, I wasn't really encouraged, but I had this drive, you know, and Mm -hmm. um, and I needed that drive. You know, everything, as I said at the beginning, um, how you process of my life, it unfolds. and but the, a key thing for all of that started early with listening to this voice that comes that says I want to do this or that. And I had been uh, introvert uh,
2: yeah. and
1: <laughs> and I was I was obese. I, I grew up obese, and um, you know and, and not. I didn't have ambitions and I, did, you know, was challenged with reading and I don't know, there's, you know, I just wasn't engaged yet, but music kind of uh, really started getting me more engaged in different kinds of things. But then I, I would have these, these flashes that I just knew that I needed to go into this, you mm-hmm. know, or, okay. and, um, each of those things, became building blocks for me to be where I am.
0: So would you say it's a superpower of introverts to trust that intuitive drive or that inner knowing? (laughs) Maybe, (laughs) Maybe it's your superpower to, to trust your inner knowing, because I think it's something that a lot of people don't necessarily do or are inclined to have that belief that the voice that's coming within is the one to follow. There's much more, I think a lot of people have more of a concern of what are being given permission or being told this is the direction that you should be going, where you have a faith, inner faith in that inner voice of yours. Uh,
1: well, it- it- um, don't always listen to it, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, it comes I it, it's, it's a, a hard one thing. Um, okay. there have been certain real lightning bolts that have happened, just like that, that stone encounter, you know, mm-hmm. where that, that just, it, it hit me in my gut. It was clear of that. And I've had a few of those things. And so those kind of things have been easier to, to trust because they're just like somebody hitting you overhead with a two-by-four. You know, mm-hmm. you, you pay attention. But other ones, you know, I didn't pay attention. The, the small voices, I don't always, and or I hadn't. And I can, as I look back, I can see how not doing that had really inhibited my getting to where I wanted to go. Yeah, Like okay. the, with the voice, you know, mm-hmm. with, with the singing, you know, there were times that I should have changed teachers, but I didn't want to hurt their feelings or I wasn't mm. sure of myself. I wasn't I didn't have enough confidence in whatever, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't have enough confidence in myself to listen to myself and do what can feel somewhat painful or, you know, out on the limb. Um, and, and so you also learn that that not, not listening is at your own um, peril you know, and I think it was the, the book, um, The War of Art, who, who wrote mm-hmm. that? Um, anyway. Stephen uh, Pressfield. Pre- Preston, yeah. Pressfield. Um, Pre- right. And uh, so he, he says, you know, if you listen, if you do, if you listen to the universe, then your universe hears that you've listened to it. And then it will give you more, and then it will give you more, you know. And so as you trust it, then you it gets reinforced, um, and so then you can learn to trust it even more. But, um, yeah, it, but you don't always, and then <laughs> you realize, you know, what, what, and you have to go to plan B, which isn't always bad, but, you know, <laughs> it's not what you intended.
2: <laughs>
0: I want to go back to the identifying a material or a, or a starter object that tells you it's it's the beginning of a bigger story that you can explore with either a sculpture or a, a mixed media or a mosaic work for you. And I'm wondering if there was a starter object for you With um, the new work that you worked on pretty much all year, anyone that follows you on social media, you Mm. spent a great deal of time in the piece, uh, The Holy Book, Where Am I? And uh, shared your journey with it online and it actually was chosen for Mosaic Arts International 2018. (laughs) Um, But I was wondering if there was, you know, did it start with the book or was there... What was the seed that was planted for that story?
1: Yeah, the um, for that that piece um, that really was something that has been I've been mulling over for for years. You know, so one of the things with me uh, recognizing how I was socialized to not value myself fully um, was from this the Jimmy Carter talk to the world leaders about. The holy books and an experience I had had quite a while ago, you know, was was reading the Bible that I used to get a, a lot out of. And all of a sudden, all I could see was he's and him's. This is way before Jimmy Carter's uh, you know, talk. Mm-hmm. All I could see it was this preference for the male. And once you see that, it's hard to get over it you have to translate everything you have to transliterate things to make them feel like you're part of it um, you know so it the I wanted to deal with um, I had been dealing with other ideas about it but this comes right down to the start of my um, awakening Um, to, you know, finding my own power and Mm -hmm. uh, finding what feeds that wood and what is holding me back. But I was too scared to do it. (laughs) You know, first of all, I didn't want to offend anybody because, you know, there's a lot of great things and people, you know, are are rightly fed from the holy books Mm -hmm. because there's awfully good things in it. But... Um, this is where it started for me, and mm-hmm. I felt like, uh, but it, I didn't also know how to engineer this, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. how, do you, how do you make something, i was kind of seeing this big thing, but I, uh, you know, just didn't have the the, uh, the skills or the, the knowledge or the courage really to uh, attack it, so I fi- finally felt uh, this was in 2007, right at the beginning of 2017, I guess. I felt like I was ready to to do this because I felt like we had come so far with the valuing of the female and um, uh, the equality uh, and, um, uh, you know, world. Wide things were moving in the right direction, and in America things were really were moving in the right direction. I thought so. I thought, okay, I have to do this piece because the time
2: it was time.
1: You know, it, it was time, and I needed to finish get this monster out of my head that's been <laughs> whirling in there for for years. Um, and just do it and then i could move on to doing some flowers or something and i don't say that lightly i actually am doing flowers right now that's not a slam on that kind of thing Mm -hmm. but i thought i could move to a different subject you know Mm -hmm. and maybe it didn't have to be quite so heavy um and and because it takes a lot of brain energy uh you know to be in that space um and i just wanted to you know release be, it be dealing with some <laughs> release it and be dealing with some of the other uh beautiful aspects of of art um so uh i thought okay i need to do this so i was thinking uh, so i had the idea of the book there you know how is going to do the book i don't know how do you make pop up figures that you can go up and down you know what's what's the form uh all of that, I have the foggiest clue. But anyway, so then I try to think, well, what kind of figures are already made, that you know, mm-hmm. that I couldn't buy a blank of and just decorate it? Because, you know, making figures from scratch, I was being lazy at the time, I guess, in my thinking or thinking this is a big project. So if I could simplify certain things. Um, mm-hmm. So the idea of um, the, the Russian nesting dolls, the yes. matryoshkas, matryoshkas. The nesting dolls came to mind and I thought, what a brilliant idea. Except that they wouldn't work for this. They weren't right for mm-hmm. this piece. Mm-hmm. But I loved that that idea of dealing with the patriarchy and uh, the excesses of that or the, um, uh, the domination that comes from that. And living in New York is pretty amazing. I could look up uh, (laughs) Russian uh, nesting doll blanks and there was a Russian gift shop near where I live um, that I could stop in on my way home from the studio and I could buy these blanks. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so then I ended up doing um, it, the, the holy book, uh, Where Am I? I is dealing with sort of some of the religious uh, conditioning, um, you know, that I um, had internalized. Uh, and this is more of the family, of the societal um, things that I could deal with, where you've got a real patriarch and mm-hmm. then if. Got the son who's the golden boy with charms. I used charms on him, so the charmed boy. And then the mother who is um, more Madonna-like and has her hand over her mouth. Um, and then a the little girl who doesn't even have a mouth, and she's got a little tutu on, but the uh, the um, ribbon around the tutu is is holding her hands back. And um so that allowed me to to be doing the same uh, the same thing because i had you know realized that my my second class upbringing was both in the in the home um you know, and in the religion kinds of things. So mm-hmm. you know, I was able to do both of them, and that that piece actually is going to be in a concurrent uh, show to the Sama one um, that uh, Deb Aldo is curated for a, um, a gallery in Boston um, mm-hmm. uh, at Latitude. Um, so, so there that, that idea of of the material of the of the nesting dolls for one thing that didn't work for that, but it still, it gave me the spark for this other one.
0: For the holy book.
1: Yeah. And then in, um, one of the things with, with having done a lot of of workshops and not really having a, a hierarchy of, of, um, preference of what kind of uh, technique I'm using, whether it's the spielen technique or Ravenna, you know, where they're using Mm -hmm. more cubes or um, uh, stained glass, even though I haven't done a lot of stained glass. uh, Somebody had a studio in my building who's who was a stained glass artist, and she was moving, and she was kind of getting out of the business, so she gave me a bunch, you know. So mm-hmm. you can have that, uh, you know. And I've got broken china in my studio, and so um, each process, each each kind of tessera and each school, I find has give a. Uh, uh, can express different things can express mm-hmm. different dynamics and um, characters uh, so I really used that in the book and in doing the, these pop-up figures so for the the mother woman figure, I used stained glass because stained glass is much more two-dimensional. It's very flat, you know, mm-hmm. it's all basically the same um, height, um, you know, and you're cutting it when it's fitting tightly um, and it creates a very, uh, for mosaics, it creates a, a much more two-dimensional figure. So, mm-hmm. so then I ended up creating my own figures Based on they're either being more two-dimensional or being more three-dimensional, being more um, conservative. Mm-hmm. So the father, you know, a, a pose where he's he's in a suit and his hands are in his pockets, and I'm using more of the Ravenna tubes, a very which is a very more conservative, um, straight uh, kind of approach. And then the son, you know, he's got his he's got a gold lame jacket and jeans on and you know <laughs>
0: the peace sign t-shirt
1: more, a peace sign t-shirt yeah so so there i could use more of a spielbergo style for the the gold jacket and uh, you know using um blue kyanite for the uh, the jeans, and, you know, really playing with it, using uh, mm-hmm. Mule Fiori, you know, and the different pieces that kind of ties, using Mule Fiori in certain areas on each of the figures that kind of tie the figures together,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, whether it's a belt buckle or a, a tie or that kind of thing, you know, so then the materials, when I could think about, simultaneously think about r- what what kind of thing does this material express best for mm-hmm. me? You know, um, and then create the figures that I could then utilize that kind of technique on them. So, kind of you know, there's a lot of different things. The 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 illuminated uh, manuscript kind of. the illustrated Alphabet, letters. You know, yeah, the illustrated letters. Um, so the, the book is very um, illuminated, manuscript looking. And mm-hmm. I had recently gone to the Met. They had a show on um, Jerusalem and, and uh, a lot of different cultures that were kind of a meeting place there. And they had a lot of amazing books that... Different cultures did, and so you saw different ways they, you know, approached them. So I really wanted to to do something that was uh, that looked like that. But I was thinking what I'm picturing would require so much micro mosaic, very small, fine uh, mosaicing, and this book is going to take me, you know, century to do. <laughs> and then I, and then I realized i got these these broken cups. Um, that we used to have for coffee I had those in my studio mm-hmm. and if I cut them this way they'd actually make the border just perfectly and there's these sort of leaf things that I could make that that create the the uh, decorated borders you know mm-hmm. and in the in the um, lettering the curly cues at the ends of them uh, that kind of break their little frame. I was thinking that all had to be micro mosaic, but then I thought, I wonder if those little curly Q shells would work. And they were like perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay that that just took you know a month's work out of uh, you know <laughs> done for me so it was it's so fun to have uh, these things that you do, you see at vendor marketplaces or you have mm-hmm. or something and you just have them in your studio and all of a sudden as you're working something you know you you, you kind of keep your mind open to other materials that might express things um, even better
0: you, you know, provided us more of this story an unexpected solution to a problem you weren't sure you how you were going to solve
1: exactly and some of the things then actually deepen the storytelling
2: you I know think and, so. And so you're
1: talking about you know with opera
2: mm-hmm. being these
1: grand things how do you take this this theme, this grand story that you're trying to say and put it into one object. (laughs) Um, You know, that's quite the challenge. So to be able to do that, that's where mosaics are so perfect for doing a narrative kind of thing because the different materials and the different techniques with the materials can tell part of your story
2: for yeah, you.
0: They're part of the story and they definitely are in this one. And to top it all off with all of that going on, it's an actual functional pop-up book. The figures have their own recessed areas where they can lay down completely, or you can yeah. pull them up and present them um, as pop-up figures.
1: Yeah. Yep. And so when they, when it's down, it just looks like a beautiful illuminated manuscript, uh, another challenge was I have on on each of the figures um, uh, a, a, an illuminated letter. So when it's down, you know, it's got these four different gorgeous uh, illuminated letters. But the letters, when they're down and you're looking at from front, need to make sense. You know, mm-hmm. these to look like a real letter and not like an upside down letter. And then when you have the figures up, that letter is upside down, but it needs to look like it's right set up. So it has to be a letter that can, um, can go either way. You know, so finding uh, figuring out scripts for the, the woman and the man, there's the W and the M. Mm-hmm. But in most illuminated scripts and types, uh, the W is made very differently than the M. The W really is a double U or a double V. Uh, versus an M so the slant of the outside things can be very different so So upside down it has
0: a different meaning or a different appearance
1: yeah it wouldn't look right you know M's tend to be very straight so you have to work out a script that looks like an M when it's one way and it looks like a W when it's the other way, not like it's an upside down M or very stiff kind of thing. So that was quite uh, quite fun. You know, you learn all these things, <laughs> all these little details to make the whole work, but in, a, in um, an active three dimensional thing. So it has to be upside down and right side up.
0: So all of those collective aspects make for a very, very intricate work that I hope everyone uh, spends quite a bit of time with when we stage it at Mosaic Arts International, because there's a lot there's a lot to see. And actually, um, just in this conversation with you learned a little bit more about it that I didn't realize that just make it so smart. And I need to, or I'd like to take this opportunity to share with you some news. The 2018 Mosaic Arts International Fine Art Jury, which was comprised of Carol Shelkin, Lindsay Perot, and Pamela Irving, uh, selected the holy book, Where Am I, as the 2018 Contemporary Innovation Award winner. And so oh. I'm giving you that news now. Oh, how thrilling! Thank you. Uh, they were.
1: That is that is thrilling, and uh, I um, you know two I uh, know two of the three jurors, and I really love their work and respect their um, their teaching as well as their their um, their work themselves, and so I, that is such an honor for them
0: to give me that. Thank you. You're welcome. I thought this wow. was a great great chance to share that with you. Yeah, I'm very <laughs> shrill. Thank you. <laughs> well, you have, you, you kind of teased a little bit. You've moved um, now that you have this um, Award winning work completed, and you've moved into flowers a little bit. Where do you see your work, or where do you hope to see your work moving forward? Will it still be within uh, exploring certain themes or telling new stories? Do you think that's going to be with you always, or do you have other mediums that you're looking to blend with mosaic? Because you've been able to do that quite successfully throughout your mosaic creation career
1: (laughs) well i I really do you know love um love the mosaics the engineering of the projects have become you know half the half the battle with with everything too but um going forward uh, i definitely want to learn how to to weld but the the purpose of the welding that the welding the welded structure will probably be part of the work not just an under armature uh, but i definitely would keep with with more mosaics the flowers that i had mentioned um, mm-hmm. it it was somewhat of a joke when i first said it because i couldn't <laughs> see myself going away from doing things that were Content, uh, uh, social commentary—you know, based on my own experiences, kind of mm-hmm. things. But um, for some reason, I've been taking uh, pictures of flowers for a long time. I love to do photography, and 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 I've been really drawn to flowers. And so I've got a lot of flowers, and I'm not going to be. You know trying to show my photography because you can only you know really spend time marketing one one or two things so it, like my water towers that i had done uh, a number of years earlier I was looking at these flowers and realizing I, I have a show, another show in Boston that's opening in April at mm-hmm. a, one of the, the clubs there. I'm a non-resident artist member there. And they offered me a small show in their breakfast nook uh, called The Conservatory. So I have some paintings I had done a long time ago that are, will fit beautifully. But I, I was wanting to deal with... The yin and yang. So I'm still thinking oh, okay. about the one of the things with the gender bias is that um, women the the attributes that are. Uh, put on to women are basically the yin attributes when you read yin and yang and mm. what they mean mm-hmm. uh, or what what different kinds of energies are there you know women are in the yin and men are in the yang well you l- read the yang ones and you say oh yeah sunshine oh yeah you know active rather than passive passive yeah mm. meh <laughs> eh, you know that's all right active then you You've got, uh, you know, sunshine is great and then you got moonshine. Oh, that's nice. You know, all these kind of, I found in my own mind, all of these, uh, just my reaction to these other energies that really are supposed to be, uh, in balance, so supposed okay. to be, you know, uh, appreciated equally. Sometimes one's uh. in ascent and one's not. But, and I realized that every single one in the yin category uh, that female is in was for me a met. <laughs> I was like, well, that's okay. Yeah, it's good to have shade once in a while, you know. But I just have this visceral reaction to all the yang things, and maybe I've got a bit more yang than yin in me, but. I thought, I need to explore this more. You know, I need to, why (laughs) am I taking pictures of flowers, but I'm afraid to call, do mosaics and think of that as being serious, you know, because Mm -hmm. mosaics take a long time. And so if you're going to spend your art time, it has to be on something that you think is worthy of the the extreme amount of time it's going to take you, Uh, at least my process,
0: you know. Okay. And you just didn't feel that flowers were serious enough or you were afraid of that perception.
1: Exactly. And so then I was trying to say, okay, well, maybe if I balance the flowers with I also love taking pictures of cranes and and bridges and structures, you know, I could combine these things. I was trying to cram them together. (laughs) And then I realized... I really just need to do flowers. I need to, you know, explore that part of me and not be embarrassed about it. So I'm finding that it's radical for me. It's subversive for me to be doing flowers. It's subversive to myself and my own biases, you know.
0: (laughs) Well, going back to what you had said earlier about exploring your own biases and um, your wanting to (laughs) – It's funny because I'm I'm trying not to say things that would be very yang, blow it up or <laughs> tear apart your your yin, but uh, in a way that's what you're doing is you're you're embracing it,
1: right? I'm, I'm while
0: deconstructing, find,
1: right? And, and you know, I, I definitely I I don't have. Um, I'm not judgmental about somebody who's doing beautiful flowers, you know, if that's what they're wanting to spend their time with and people react to it because people need beauty. And, you know, if people are wanting to buy beautiful flowers for their, their homes, because they, it gives them a sense of peace. Well, we need that, you know, Mm -hmm. it it feeds people. I have, you know, somebody had come into my studio, uh, a, a mosaic artist, um, you know, and I was talking about my stuff, and she, says, and she says, "Well, what's wrong with just doing something beautiful?" And it's like, "Well, there's nothing wrong." You know, mm-hmm. you have to choose what you're going to spend your time doing. And because I'm wanting to, I'm wanting to educate, I'm wanting to help bend the the arc of justice you know the right way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then it is martin luther king a saying i'm not getting it quite right but something about um the the arc you know of justice is bending the right way uh in and um so i am trying to educate i'm trying to get people to understand these um cultural conditionings that then get codified as taken for um, truths are taken for nature natural mm-hmm. but they're not natural they're man made they're they're literally man made um they're you know and They are to be questioned because it is not uh, accepting the fullness and richness of each individual and what they have to contribute. So for me, I'm I'm wanting to teach. I'm wanting to, uh, you know, have something to say to try to wake people up and get them just to notice it, to understand that, to get them to start to think about Mm -hmm. certain things. So how's flowers going to do that, you know? But I'm realizing I have to teach myself some skills yeah. too. <laughs>
0: and, so getting you know, in there and flowers. getting yeah. Yeah, in yeah. there and making the flowers that perhaps those connections will appear for you,
1: right? And I'm finding places that I didn't expect to be able to use minerals, and that then they become really corporal and really, you know, strong and and they're they're just they're fun, um, <laughs> and they're taking as much time as everything else does, you know, because. Uh, things just have to be right and you you're you're seeing you you even just the exercise of taking the photos and and allowing play there but also trying to be as as close to Understanding its uh, andamento, a flower's andamento, and the colors, the the gradations of colors that make the petal go forward or back, or you're, you're heightening your visual seeing, um,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: and and as you see, you appreciate more. You you. you you understand the richness of it and, and um and the miraculousness of things you know mm-hmm. why should this petal then do this at the end what's the purpose of that you right. know that there have to be a purpose but it's just awesome and i got to notice it which <laughs> makes me think Think of Veridiano Marzi when he opens, you know, he cracks open a stone and he looks, mm-hmm. and he's the first person who's ever gotten to see inside that stone. Inside you that know, stone, so the more, yeah. So the more you just see things, the more you appreciate its complexity and the awesomeness of how it it developed, and and that helps you appreciate yourself too. So yes flowers
0: and I love that because you if anything with all of these stories with all of the collections you've done so in a way like I said in the beginning where you've you've jumped in the deep end um, right off the bat in an almost a fearless open-minded uh, even with looking at yourself in a very fearless open-minded way where a lot of people don't they like to dip their toes in the shallow end for a little bit and yeah. decide whether they even want to get in the pool, let alone, you know, yeah. dive head head first in the deep end. So it's one of the reasons why I've always loved your work and I love having oh, conversations you. with you. And I think we could go for hours and hours and we could, hours, we could, we could. but I know you need the, to get back to work. <laughs> yeah.
1: But one of the things, you know, and hopefully you'll cut things when, cut, you know, <laughs> what, what you need to do, but... Um, with, with what you're saying about that fearlessness, um, part of the diving into the deep end is my ignorance, because I actually part of it is I can't see ahead what's what's ahead. So I'm ignorant of how much work it actually is going to take. And um, and then I'm in in the middle of it. And of course, I'm so bought into it that I have to figure it out and I have to do that work. Um, mm-hmm. And and so part, part of that, you know, I do know people who end up not doing anything because they st- see ahead all the prep work they have to do or all of these other things that aren't the the, the main event or how, what they think of as the main event. And so it stops them from actually doing something. And um, I've learned to actually, you know, I used to be frustrated about um, not you know, not knowing where I, what I'm getting myself in for. Um, but now I've, I've learned to appreciate that because it's, it's forced me to get into these things. And then, you know, it's pretty awesome to learn that more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you do that because that's what the piece needs. Um, uh, Megan Walsh just wrote something on her uh, blog about... Uh, she calls it the shit sandwich, uh, yeah. I, um, but but everything you do, there's certain elements that that are needed that aren't the main event that can seem like a real slog or seem like, you know, are not worth the effort, mm-hmm. but um, it always is. It's always worth the effort. It's always worth and the you effort. we have got that drive, you know. You have to get the ego out of it. Well, and that's interesting
0: you say that because I was just about to ask you, you know, whether it was ignorance or a healthy relationship with your ego to step into unknown territory.
2: Well,
1: I think, you know, I think having been a singer uh, has made being an artist, me being fearless as an artist um, with singing, with opera singing, you're, Doing somebody else's work, and mm-hmm. it, you need to have it be a specific way, and you can't actually hear yourself, your full self, you know it's like when you hear yourself on a um, a tape recorder. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not gonna sound like what you think you sound like. well, that's magnified with a voice, and I had a big big Wagnerian voice um, you know, and so you. You are relying on other people to tell you if you're doing something right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You're, and you have people over your shoulder, literally, and you know you you have all these other voices in your head of telling you, okay, if it feels this way, then it must be right. You can't make those judgments. Well, with art. You get, you're in your studio, you get to decide what you're going to do. You get to. You're more in control. You're in control with that, but you're also, you get to decide, do I like this? Is this doing what I'm wanting it to do? You know,
0: um, you're in control and you're responsible. You don't don't have the responsibility. It sounds as much with the opera singing is because you can't hear yourself and you've got uh, someone else's music that you're rendering with your voice and in the studio, you are in control of what's being rendered.
1: You're in control of what's being rendered and how it's been rendered and the ultimate product that comes out, you know, with singing, the product isn't there until you are actually performing in front of people. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you can do all the work beforehand, but, but, you know, then the product is, you know, right out there for everybody to see judging at the same time you and you can't judge because you can't hear it, you know? So here you actually make the project, the product you judge if you're ready to put it out in the audience and then you, and you're happy with it, so it doesn't matter what the audience says mm-hmm. I and mean, you can learn something from them you know if it's reading right or if if you know people are getting distracted by certain things but you have you already have a certain level of comfort that you've you have gotten this to your satisfaction before you put it out there you know right, so right. it's um, and knowing you have that control makes it much more free in the in the studio too.
0: Thank, well, thank you very much, Karen. I know you are a busy lady, and you've got so now you have three shows coming up in Boston. You're going to have work in three different places this spring.
1: That's right. Yeah, and a couple in Long Island City too. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's kind of busy, <laughs> but those are older works, so that's good.
0: Well, thank you very much.
1: Thanks so much.
0: I hope you enjoyed that dive into the deep end as much as I did. We invite you to explore more of Karen's work and the reference links we've provided on a page that accompanies this episode on the SAMA website, AmericanMosaics.org. We also provide a link in the show notes on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thank you for listening. This is Don Marie Zimmerman.